Chapter Five, Book Six of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Malcolm Fisher of Dover, England, first of June, two thousand and fourteen. Amelia, Volume Two, by Henry Fielding. Book Six, Chapter Five, containing some matters not very unnatural. Matters were scarce sooner reduced in order and decency than a violent knocking was heard at the door, such indeed as would have persuaded any one not accustomed to the sound that the madman was returned in the highest springtide of his fury. Instead, however, of so disagreeable an appearance, a very fine lady presently came into the room, no other, indeed, than Mrs. James herself. For she was resolved to show Amelia, by the speedy return of her visit, how unjustly all her accusations had been of any failure in the duties of friendship. She had, moreover, another reason to accelerate the visit, and that was to congratulate her friend on the event of the duel between Colonel Bath and Mr. Booth. The lady had so well profited by Mrs. Booth's remonstrance that she had now no more of the stiffness and formality which she had worn on a former occasion. On the contrary, she now behaved with the utmost freedom and good humour, and made herself so very agreeable that Amelia was highly pleased and delighted with her company. An incident happened during his visit that may appear to some too inconsiderable in itself to be recorded, and yet, as it certainly produced a very strong consequence in the mind of Mr. Booth, we cannot prevail on ourselves to pass it by. Little Emily, who was present in the room while Mrs. James was there, as she stood near that lady, happened to be playing with her watch which she was so greatly overjoyed had escaped safe from the madman. Mrs. James, who expressed great fondness for the child, desired to see the watch, which she commended as the prettiest of the kind she had ever seen. Amelia caught eager hold of this opportunity to spread the praises of her benefactor. She presently acquainted Mrs. James with the donor's name, and ran on with great cumulus on his lordship's goodness, and particularly on his generosity, to which Mrs. James answered, Oh, certainly, madam, his lordship hath universally the character of being extremely generous where he likes. In uttering these words, she laid a very strong emphasis on the three last monosyllables, accompanying them at the same time with a very sagarious look, a very significant leer, and a great flirt with her fan. The greatest genius the world hath ever produced observed in one of his most excellent plays that trifles light as air are to the jealous confirmation strong as proofs of holy writ. That Mr. Booth began to be possessed by this worst of fiends admits, I think, no longer doubt, for at this speech of Mrs. James he immediately turned pale, and from a high degree of cheerfulness was all on a sudden struck dumb, 
so that he spoke not another word till Mrs. James left the room. The moment that lady drove from the door, Mrs. Ellison came upstairs. She entered the room with a laugh, and very plentifully rallied both Booth and Amelia concerning the madman, of which she had received a full account below stairs, and at last asked Amelia if she could not guess who it was, but, without receiving an answer, went on, saying, For my own part, I fancy it must be some lover of yours, some person that hath seen you, and is so run mad with love. Indeed, I should not wonder if all mankind were to do the same. La, Mr. Booth, what makes you grave? Why, you are as melancholy as if you had been robbed in earnest. Upon my word, though, to be serious, it is a strange story, and as the girl tells me, I know not what to make of it. Perhaps it might be some rogue that intended to rob the house, and his heart failed him. Yet even that would be very extraordinary. Why, did you lose nothing, madam? Nothing at all, answered Amelia. He did not even take the child's watch. Well, captain, cried Mrs. Ellison, I hope you will take more care of the house to-morrow, for your lady and I shall leave you alone to the care of it. Here, madam, she said, here is a present from my lord to us. Here are two tickets for the masquerade at Ranley. You will be so charmed with it. It is the sweetest of all diversions. May I be damned, madam, cried Booth, if my wife shall go thither. Mrs. Ellison stared at these words, and, indeed, so did Amelia, for they were spoken with great vehemence. At length the former cried out, with an air of astonishment, not let your wife go to Ranley, sir? No, madam, cried Booth, I will not let my wife go to Ranley. You surprise me, cried Mrs. Ellison. Sure you are not in earnest. Indeed, madam, returned he, I am seriously in earnest, and what is more, I am convinced she would of her own accord refuse to go. Now, madam, said Mrs. Ellison, are you to answer for yourself, and I will for your husband, that if you have a desire to go, he will not refuse you. I hope, madam, answered Amelia, with great gravity, I shall never desire to go to any place contrary to Mr. Booth's inclinations. Did ever mortal hear the like, said Mrs. Ellison. You are enough to spoil the best husband in the universe. Inclinations? What, is a woman to be governed then by her husband's inclinations, though they are never so unreasonable? Pardon me, madam, said Amelia. I will not suppose Mr. Boo's inclinations can ever be unreasonable. I am very much obliged to you for the offer you have made me. But I beg you will not mention it any more, for after what Mr. Booth hath declared, if Ranley was a heaven upon earth, I would refuse to go to it. I thank you, my dear, cried Booth. I do assure you, you oblige me beyond my power of expression by what you say but I will endeavour to show you both my sensibility of such goodness and my lasting gratitude to it. And pray, sir, said Mrs. Ellison, what can be your objections to your lady going to a place which, I will venture to say, is as reputable as any about town, and which is frequented by the best company? Pardon me, good Mrs. Ellison, said Booth, 
as my wife is so good to acquiesce without knowing my reasons, I am not, I think, obliged to assign them to any other person. Well, cried Mrs. Ellison, if I had been told this, I would not have believed it. What, refuse your lady an innocent diversion, and that too, when you have not the pretence to say it would cost you a farthing? Why will you say any more on this subject, dear madam? cries Amelia. All diversions are to me a matter of such indifference that the bare inclinations of any one for whom I have the least value would at all times turn the balance of mine. I am sure, then, after what Mr. Booth has said. My dear, cries he, taking up hastily, I sincerely ask your pardon. I spoke inadvertently and in a passion. I never once thought of controlling you, nor ever would. Nay, I said in the same breath that you would not go, and upon my honour I meant nothing more. My dear, she said, you have no need of making any apology. I am not in the least offended, and I am convinced you will never deny me anything I shall desire. Try him, try him, madam, cries Miss Ellison. I will be judged by all the women in town if it is possible for a wife to ask her husband anything more reasonable. You can't conceive what a sweet, charming, elegant and delicious place it is. Paradise itself can hardly be equal to it. I beg you will excuse me, madam, said Amelia. Nay, I entreat you will ask me no more, for be assured I must and will refuse. Do let me desire you to give the ticket to poor Mrs. Bennet. I believe it would greatly oblige her. Pardon me, madam, said Mrs. Ellison, if you will not accept it, I am not so distressed for want of company as to go to such a public place with all sort of people neither. I am always very glad to see Mrs. Bennet at my own house, because I look upon her as a very good sort of woman. But I don't choose to be seen with such people in public places. Amelia expressed some little indignation at this last speech which she declared to be entirely beyond her comprehension. And soon after, Mrs. Ellison, finding all her efforts to prevail on Amelia were ineffectual, took her leave, giving Mr. Booth two or three sarcastical words and a much more sarcastical look at her departure. End of chapter 5